1: And this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast, because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got J-Bone. Hey everybody, how's it going? And also with us today, we got Dan. What up? <laughs> That's me walking through a spaceship door. Nice. We got Cosmic Dan. <laughs> uh, Dan 3000. <laughs> I'm tripping on the river cosmic, bro. Surfing the stars. So, Dan brought brought us a whiskey to try out today. Fuck yeah, I did. You wanna
2: today? No, I don't wanna. Lock? <laughs> Maybe I don't wanna at all. It's a fistful of bourbon, which is a blend of five different straight bourbon whiskeys. Nice. I mean, I I usually don't get the blends, so but this bottle I've been looking at the last like five times I went grocery shopping, so finally I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do like hip hop does and throw it in the bag. Nice word. But it's uh the 2019 double gold winner. If you thought single gold was good, wait till you get dose gold.
1: Oh, you could taste both golds in it.
3: Mm. Two golds and a silver. I like it. It's in the style of like your scotch, which is, you know, just regular whiskeys blended. But uh, the blended bourbons really get that nice charcoal-like punch.
2: I'm just reading the label because I don't know. <laughs> but it uh, says so it's got leafy floral greens. It's uh, balanced and sweet. It's got hints of spices and nutmeg, cinnamon, licorice. But the one thing that I got a lot was the buttery toffee
3: of it. Like there's a smooth sort of... Oh, yeah. It's like a charcoaly y uh, Heath bar. It's
1: smooth, baby. It does. It goes down smooth for sure, but it's definitely got that that bite up front. But
2: well, it is you know. bourbon. Don't well, let one, one of those taste bourbons bourbon
1: That not many would
3: translate. It's one of those bourbons that you can make like a coffee drink out of. You know, yeah, that would be good in a nice like a nice hot. Yeah,
2: it seemed coffee. like it would be a good uh, cocktail mixing yeah. whiskey in general. And what are you chasing that down with? Oh, I got uh some New Holland Dragon's Milk. New yeah, Holland yeah. is the brand. It's from here in uh, Michigan, and then dragon's milk is uh the sort of bourbon barreled stout that i got oh, yeah and it's a rich one it's 11 percent, so
3: it don't fuck around she's I like been it. on it's the good. cast a couple times we've milked it up a couple times
2: yeah i think this is uh what i have for saint paddy's day okay i forgot my guinness
3: <laughs> right on
2: but uh i'm only got one of these i got other new hollands the poet that's what i'm gonna get into next but for right now milking that dragon you can't baby. go wrong
3: with the milk of a dragon Right mm-hmm. on. Well, in addition to the whiskey, I've got a crazy little thing called a Hazy Little Thing IPA <laughs> by the uh, Sierra Nevada out of Chico, California Brewery.
2: Hazy Little Thing called
3: beer. <laughs> I'm not sure if I had one on
1: here, but, you know, so There's many IPAs. There's a lot of those Hazy yeah. IPAs. We, we, love our, we love our hazies on here. Um, so, yeah, today I got a Yang Lang traditional lager. Throughout most of the country, a lot of people are like, yeah, Yangling. They drink it all the time. In Michigan, we don't have distributorship. Yeah, I
2: was about to say, I never even heard of Yangling. And it
1: cuts off right at
3: our border. In Ohio, it's one of the biggest, like, it's common in every party store in Ohio. It's like, you
2: what guys is it got... Yangling
1: or... Uh, yingling. Yeah, y- yingling. That's what I'm
2: What uh What's Yangling? the story behind it?
1: Since I listen to Drinks With Great Minds in History, I know, because their guy Luke says every time, it's America's oldest brewery from Pots depositville pennsylvania
2: it's like a waffle house like it's nationwide but just we don't got it around here <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: and so i heard it on the podcast and then it says it on the can that's two sources
2: <laughs> multiple sources <laughs> yep that
1: checks it. out before we get started i gotta thank Sixfo Swaino for letting us use his music in the intro uh you can follow him at six fo on instagram it's foe and then cancer he lets us use his music in the mid-roll you can follow him at on Instagram, at EyesBleedDefiance, where you can see all his graphic art and his photography. If you want to follow us, we're at Bad Guy Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. And you can find all our links through our website, BadGuyPodcast.com. Links like sausages, baby. (laughs) That's all of them, right? We're covered on the uh, socials. Today we're going to be covering, we got a listener recommendation. So this recommendation came from Andrew in Louisville. He emailed us. Louisville, Kentucky. Yes. So he emailed us that us say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. Bumped him up to the front of the line. Right on. But we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Harry Strauss.
4: This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface. Final scene. Fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend.
3: Yeah, Strauss. Yeah, Harry Strauss. If you don't Chris. want to call me Harry Styles, you can call me Pittsburgh Phil. <laughs>
1: So we got Harry Strauss, a.k.a. Pittsburgh Phil. Yes, he was the Either scene. or. Yeah, one or the other. I don't think this is too big of a spoiler in advance. He's not from Pittsburgh either. No. What? No, he's from Brooklyn.
2: So he's neither a Pittsburgh nor a Phil. He's a double fibber.
1: I went with Pittsburgh Phil because that's his most common nickname. So when people look him up, you'll see Harry Strauss, a.k.a. Pittsburgh Phil. But doing the research, I found he's kind of got a bunch of a.k.a.'s, but I didn't want to put them all up front. I didn't want it to bury the Pittsburgh Phil. Why you
2: think we can't we can't handle names? Is I think you can't.
1: No, I think I gotta break it down. You think we can't handle names, bro? I think you're gonna run pat, right past Pittsburgh Phil right when I don't need you to, and go straight on to the next one. I think Pittsburgh Phil kind of sounds like if he sees a shadow, that you won't really. <laughs> All right, so here's uh, the rest of his AKAs. Big Harry. There we go. The Flying Gangster.
2: Oh, okay, I can't wait to hear yeah. the rest of this tale. No, I got that.
1: So yeah, got AKA Big Harry, AKA Pep, and AKA the Flying Gangster. It's because he was very upbeat. He
2: yes. was like, come on guys, let's go, let's do the crime. Early bird gets the bank robbery.
1: Let's go. <laughs> In hindsight now, I was probably right, right? You need to split these nicknames up. This is a lot of AKAs. It it requires two slides.
2: I mean, it's still less than a handful, it's only four. We can we can handle we can handle a fistful of bourbon. We can
1: handle a fistful of names. But it's quality, not quantity, is what I'm talking about. This guy's got some power fucking AKAs.
3: Well yeah, the flying gangster, like if that's on page one on the splash page, we're just like, Hey, what is that about? Like is this. They a shot pilot? him out of
2: a cannon into the bank?
1: He was the Red Baron before he was Levi Strauss. Yeah. He was born July 28, nineteen oh nine in New York. And his parents were Jewish immigrants. He was raised in Brownsville, Brooklyn, which at that time was one of the roughest neighborhoods. Not just in Brooklyn of like in New York altogether. Real American tale type shit.
2: I was thinking more Sebastian Bach. Harry was a poor boy. He had a heart of stone.
1: (laughs) So as a kid, Harry was large and strong, which earned him the nickname Big Harry. But to his friends, he was always he was real friendly and charming and upbeat. So his closest friends for his entire life mostly would call him Pep.
2: does pep mean something different? He had a little now? pep in
3: his step. Like, like you skip, like you got, you know what I mean? You're uppity,
1: like Yeah. Dun, dun, peppy. Dun, 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 dun. He's got pep in a step, pep in a step. But even at a young age, he was a head case that enjoyed violence. Well that doesn't sound very peppy. <laughs> well, that's what made it so weird. It was only with his friends. So his like closest friends be like, oh Pep, man, my guy's cool. And shut the rest of the world. It actually said other kids would look up to him, but stayed away from him.
2: So he, he would just be skipping, skipping, turn the corner, and it just turns into, like, a dead walk, like a <laughs> Terminator-style walk.
1: You can uh, stop passing that milk money now before I get to you. In elementary school, he became childhood friends with Abe Relez and Martin Goldstein, and the three of them started a, crime, a life of crime together. Through most of Prohibition, they worked for neighborhood thugs doing low-level crimes so through most
2: of Prohibition, he was only, like, a teenager.
1: Yeah, he'd he'd been 11 when Prohibition hit. Yeah. So he was doing, like, low-level shit, like extortion, drugs, just kind of, you know, street crimes and shit. Because he was a, a little little kid. Maybe. Minor, little league gangster. He wanted to make <laughs> the big time.
2: I don't think he was out there doing fucking Fred Burke-style shit right away.
1: Him and his buddies would adapt the street names Kid Twist, Bugsy Goldstein, and Pittsburgh Phil.
2: And they started their own little mixtape.
1: <laughs> There's a kid twist yeah, has abe kid twist relis bugsy goldstein and pittsburgh phil the original Beastie boys <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> listen yeah. to me no odd sleep sabotage. till real brooklyn right no sleep
1: till brooklyn eventually they developed a reputation as a well-known muscle crew working for the shapiro's brother a gang that ran brownsville the shapiro brothers ran most of brownsville they had like a handful of handful of brothels, a little bit extortion, and a bunch of slot machines. So, you know, kind of standard fare, just small. They ran their neighborhood, and they were real content with that. They're like, nobody fucks with us as long as we stick to Brownsville.
2: Yeah, they just carved out their own little slice of paradise, and they're just rocking it yeah. with a fistful of brothels. And how old are our uh, little Jewish
1: gang right now? Like early teens. 14, 15-ish. Yeah, like, yeah and because these Mid, guys mid-teens i would say for, so the like 14 to 17
3: these guys only yeah. look to be like in their early 20s like 23 24 ish right know, they're not old men the, well the where we
1: we said minor league earlier these guys are still like triple a you know right. I guys are an a ball but this is like even the the big gang they work for is still kind of
3: well because we got leagues. we got a rothstein up here but we don't got an arnold rothstein
1: well no i was just
2: wondering if uh these little kids were of age to take advantage of them brothels. I mean, shit, if you're working, you know what I mean? Dip your pen in that company ink.
3: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, back then, too, it was not like nowadays where you had to wait for a talk. I'm sure back then it was like, hey, if you you started your life of crime at 11,
1: you can definitely dip your pen in the ink at 15. Like, go ahead. Are you, are you going to sit down Kid Twist and Bugsy Goldstein and <laughs> yeah. get, look, I got to tell you about the birds and the beasts.
2: I don't know about no birds and beads, I know about whores and hoes.
1: In the late twenties, Abe ends up getting locked up for a couple years, and the Shapiro brothers didn't do anything to help him out. So they used to have deals, they'd send you a lawyer, they'd bail you out. And he thought the commissary, do something. Anything, right. And they didn't. So he felt like, okay, either they're doing it on purpose to be dicks, or they don't even know me no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's even fucking worse. Either they don't know, don't show, I
2: or don't just don't care about care. a little Jewish boy in the cling. They're leaving him ramen noodleless in Seattle.
1: So, Kid Twist is doing his couple years. Bugsy Goldstein buys himself a pool hall that he would gamble and work out of. And Pittsburgh Phil just kind of picked up like contract muscle work and he'd just do some small time drug deal and just kind of make a living on the side kind of shit. Yeah, so like
2: everybody else is like, all right, we're gonna buy some shit, come up with schemes. Oh, Pittsburgh feels like, yeah, I don't know, I'm just gonna beat people up. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna keep do doing that.
3: the ditch digging yeah. of gangster work.
2: You know, I kind of like where I am, kind
3: of good. Stuck in an entry level mode.
1: If you love what you do, you, you never, never gotta work, work a day in your life.
2: Yeah. I mean, he just doesn't have the same pep when it comes <laughs> to like running businesses. He wants to be out there with the people, you know, in the sunshine. Just he doesn't working. beat
3: for a season. He beats for a reason. <laughs> it's in here. You know what
2: yeah, I mean? Yeah.
1: You know, you have that passion in your
2: work. Exactly.
1: When Abe gets out of prison, he's fucking pissed. And he decides he wants to make a move on the Shapiro brothers. But he doesn't have a gang. You know? That, so that, that the, other two, the other
3: two kids, we have already said what they were doing in his three-man gang. So one's a pool hall owner slash pool shark. And one's still just a half a knock around guy.
1: How much was he the leader of this gang, dude? Like, you left and they're just like, I don't, I don't know what to do, man. You come back and you you guys forgot about me, bro? You guys
2: forgot about me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, they were like 14. So, like, yeah. They are like, you know, when you're like in eighth grade and shit, if your buddy moves to another town, it's like, well, I guess I'm not friends with him anymore. I guess I'll just have to <laughs> hang out around here with other people. Shit, so a 14-year-old and your buddy goes to, like, jail for, like, Years upon years upon year, like yeah, you kind of forget after a little while.
1: Yeah, so now he gets out, and they're you know they're old gangsters now. They're like late teens, early twenties. Right. You know, so they're really You're almost old news now. Like, so he wants to put a gang together. So he brings in an Italian guy that he did time with, a guy named Dasher Abandondo. His name was Dasher because in prison he was really fast at softball.
2: Oh, I thought yeah. he was just really into reindeer. <laughs>
1: Dasher Abendondo brought on his partner, a guy named Happy Mayone.
2: Tell me we're putting Pep and Happy
3: together in a gang.
2: (laughs) This is like they're getting a gang of dwarves going on here. We got Kid Twist, Happy, Dasher.
1: Dopey gets out in two
2: months.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Bugsy Goldstein was on board. He came on board and he brought a guy named George DeFeo, who he'd been working with. And he had made a connection for Illegal Slot Machines. Then So he went from having
2: no gang to, like, he really recruiting
1: them up. Pittsburgh Phil was now a hardened enforcer, and he was down too.
2: I guess he was a freelance enforcer. He wasn't, like, a forcer for the Shapiro brothers or nothing? Or did he just say, fuck that, he's going to turn on them?
1: Well, I think he's just going to jump. I mean, that was kind of his boy originally anyway, so now if his boy says he's going to make a move... At first, it actually said... At first, he kind of wasn't even going to get involved, but... It was his boys, and then he kind of found a beef with the Shapiro's anyway. So he's like, Yeah, fuck those guys. He just really just wanted to work, just freelance, neutral. You know what I mean? I just pick up some work here. He wanted
3: to stay in that entry level position, bro. (laughs) He
1: really wanted to just be a knock around guy.
3: But then his homeboy was like, Dude, now I got Italians. Like, we're almost legit, legit. I mean, I got a couple Italians, though.
2: It's like, I don't know, twist. I kind of like this punching people in the face thing. Are you going to feel like, No, man. We just got new people to punch in the face. He's like,
3: Okay, oh, you man. sold me.
1: Now I'm all excited <laughs> and peppy. Harry Strauss, he's described as multiple sources. Everything I read always says tall, athletic, big. Some shit I seen like said built like a linebacker. But I couldn't find any actual stuff outside, like you know, wanted papers, uh, mug shots, stuff like that. Well, and I even see pictures of him where he looks tall. But I couldn't find anything to, to show that he's any bigger than 5'9", 172.
2: Well, I mean, maybe back then people were just tinier. Maybe he weren't <sighs> different. Maybe he's just a wide sort of pit bullish sort of a guy where...
1: Like, I, I legitimately seen pictures where he looked tall, and I thought, no, look, he is tall. But one of them was a mugshot, and I zoomed in on the thing behind him, and it said 5'9", and I'm like, maybe he really hung out with little, little dudes. What was... But you the average height was probably
2: five seven five eight so i mean he wasn't extremely tall but like right. on the
1: taller side of average women liked him and he knew it he was never married i, I seen a quote that said he pursued women with an animal appetite
2: women like a man he knew it <laughs> yeah so he was a horn dog well i mean going back to what i hinted at like yeah, his balls were dropping the same time he got in league with brothel
1: runners. He would go to the barber and manicurist every day, and he was considered one of the best dressed members of the gang. Ooh. Like every single day. They'd, they said he'd spend an hour at the barber and the manicurist for an hour every day. He had another AKA fancy pants. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit excessive though daily.
2: What else do you have to do? You know what I mean? He doesn't have to punch somebody in the face till noon. His, his morning opened up. Well, I get your nails did.
1: Those are his money makers, and he's really rough on them. You know what I mean? So they take a lot of uh, care and upkeep. Even as low-level gangsters, when they would go out to eat, like they hung out at like a lot of Jewish neighborhoods, so a lot of delis and stuff like that. So anytime anybody else would always be getting like uh, sandwiches or sometimes burgers or something like that, he would always order the sturgeon because it was the most expensive thing on the menu. Nice. Like, hey, noodles, we're at a bodega,
3: like, we got, you know, pastrami, we got, like, I said I want the sturgeon, please. I said I'm hurting
2: for sturgeon, (laughs) like, get on my plate. No, I mean, that's a very common sort of cliche thing. People that are broke, then they get older and they want to live
3: flashy just to flaunt its status symbol. Well, in that time era from 1900 all the way through the Depression, you're prohibition, all that crap. That was the motivation for 99% of the gang, even your Bonnie and Clyde, like the bank robbers, not the traditional gangsters. I'm so dirt poor in the whole country and world. So dirt poor that I'm going to live that fab life. I'm, I want some chocolate mousse and sturgeon.
1: Some of Bugsy Goldstein's connections. He was able to reach out to some high level Jewish mobsters and they were able to get him assurances that they wouldn't receive any help. But if they were able to take out the spirals, there wouldn't be no repercussions.
3: Because it benefits us. You guys are doing dirt work for us, kind of. But we won't come after you. That's hey, yeah, pretty much a, I'll allow it. If these kids take out these kids, we're moving up anyway. So go ahead, well, yeah. you guys. We're giving you the blessing.
2: I mean, it's probably not even that
1: they move. Up. It's probably just a lateral move. Like, yeah, we don't care. A hint to some of the who some of their connections were coming up. Part of the thing that they liked about their gang was that they had Jews and Italians. Around the upcoming time in history, where we're at
3: in that story, that's a huge thing. If you can be expansive in your mind a little bit, like, hey...
2: What were the Shapiro brothers?
1: They were Jewish.
2: Oh, well then, yeah.
1: But they were a Jewish gang. They are known to be kind of dicks. This was a a young group that was... uh, They let them be inclusive. Well, actually, what happened is a Jewish guy from the Jewish neighborhood was able to reach out to Meyer Lansky and be like, Hey, these Jewish kids are good kids. And then some of the Italian dudes, Louis Capone knew them. So these Italian guys were like, Hey, these kids are good kids. So at some point they're like, Hey, you said they're good. Louis from up in little Italy. He said, they're cool too. So yeah, they liked the fact that they were more in line with what the, you know, the Lanskys and the Lucianos were doing on the way up was this old school stick to your neighborhood shit is about to go the way of the dodo bird and you still got a vet and know people but like they,
3: we're just now getting out of the everybody has to be specifically sicilian so now we can
1: have other italian now like that, that that's outfit-esque right there and they still didn't even say all right we're with you they're just kind of like all right i mean whatever right hey so as as you don't have any dirty irish with you can I hit that fistful of bourbon again watch out it'll hit you back
2: See, a good, unique blend of whiskey. We got a good, unique blend of gang. That's what they call their gang, Fistful of Racists.
1: So, they went to war with the Shapiros. After a year-long war, they have a bunch of deaths on both sides and dozens of shootouts. Like, dozens. These guys make the old-school Chicago (laughs) fucking beer wars make them look like snipers. Man, these guys was fucking running up on these streets, shooting each other up for a year and a half before they learned how to start hitting each other, man. They were just shooting like
3: stormtroopers all over Brownsville. And those, Brownsville kind of looked like, if you know what, Greenwich Village looked like real tiny little streets. So like it's a real confined, like they real, still everything's real close to each other. No, but there had to be some casualties. Like bullets going through windows and, like, innocent people getting some shit.
1: Well, and eventually they killed it off all three of the Shapiro brothers. The younger one, Willie. So when they killed the first two, the war was over, and that was in 1931. Willie didn't end up getting killed until 1934, and they still buried him alive. When they found his body and they dug it up, he had sand in his lungs, so that's how they knew he had been buried alive. Like, that's in the future of the story from now. But like, yeah, they don't let shit go. Bygones were not bygones. Even after the war was over, little brother popped up fucking four years later, like, no, no, bear kill him. Oh, just take him out quick. No, bear him alive or something. Like, fuck him. Fuck his brothers.
2: He was really pissed they didn't give him a lawyer, huh? Like <laughs> well, they didn't even send him to jail. They just didn't help him when he got arrested. Like
1: We can get into a little bit what actually happened is uh so he was pissed about that. So he was like, we're going to move on him. And then at one point when they moved on him, they killed Bugsy's boy, George DeFeo, and they set him up and shot Abe. They, like, you know, they fucked him up a couple times. And then Meyer, the leader, he kidnapped, beat and raped Abrellis' girlfriend. So that after that, it was like, well, we were at war because we were trying to take over the neighborhood. But now you beat and raped my girlfriend, who we ended up marrying, too, so...
2: Well, yeah, that's how you're a little asshole after you got beat up and raped. You're like, I think we should break up.
1: I know the timing is bad, but. So after the war, Abe Relez, ragtag group of mixed ethnicity enforcers had successfully taken over Brownsville. They called themselves the combination.
2: You know, two things, more than one combo.
1: Abe Relez was quoted as saying that when Pittsburgh Phil came on board, it was like adding a whole nother crew.
2: Yeah, Army of One.
1: Like, I don't come with connections and other gang members and stuff like that, but... I bring the pep, y'all. I bring the ruckus. I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> yeah. So to the top level of mobsters observing, they kind of had just let them duke it out because they were kind of, they were kind of looking at the whole thing as tryouts. So the whole war kind of served as, uh, on the Italian side, like a making of their bones. And on the Jewish side, I heard it compared to like a gangster bar mitzvah. So all these top-level gangsters were just kind of wanting to see, like... We're going to have a draft when this is all over, so... These kids said they want to do it. Let's see what you got, man.
2: Give it a shot. Welcome back to Brownsville Gladiators.
1: (laughs) We got Nitro, Wolf, Dasher, Pittsburgh Phil. When the National Crime Syndicate decided to use a neutral group to carry out contract hits, they decided on the combination, who eventually became known through the media as Murder, Inc. So, much better fucking name.
2: Yeah, that's that's why the media gets paid. You know, they're much good at branding. They know the headlines.
1: Look, they can not extort like Kid Twist and in in Pittsburgh Phil can, but they sure got the words down.
2: And this is when they brought Ja Rule and Ashanti into their group?
1: Murder, Inc. was really a series of upper-level gangsters like Albert Anastasia, Lepke Buckhalter, and Louis Capone that were basically used as filters to separate the actual commission from Abe Reles' gang. But well, you need a million foot soldiers to to live that business and do that kind of life. Right. So Murder, rink was basically the combination with some upper management. If they were a, a locally owned company that got bought, and then now you got a new CEO and a VP and, uh... and... The parent company's got to send a couple of us over there to you watch all them and you babysit. Murder, Inc. was responsible for carrying out between 400 to 1,000 hired hits over the next 10 years. And Pittsburgh Phil was their go-to guy. He was known to volunteer for jobs, even if he wasn't up, and he was said to enjoy the violence. A comparison was, they said, he would stab a guy 50 times when three would do it. Hey, you know, difference
2: between ordinary and extraordinary its that little extra. As we're going back to it, you know, he's
1: Pep. He's got a passion for it. He's got the reason for the beating. What we're going to do, we're going to take a real quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute.
4: Like hot lava, hot bottles, molecules tossed and rocks follow. I'm in his disciples like vipers, they strike quickly. Come at me like an army, I'm tearing you down with me. Spit like a bear and rulers are bred like prisers. Roll with the goal and get beaten like outsiders. These amateur animals swing in the wrong. survival with rivals with throat punches. On with all your guns, the down Flashes everywhere, the lights create an atmosphere Water in your lungs, you pray for death, but life is here You're about to die, face it, you're about to die Zero sand in your glass, fuck it, you can't even cry Put a dagger to your neck, just to keep yourself in check Put a dagger to your neck, just to keep yourself in check Everybody grab a side as you fight to stay alive. Dancing on a hand grenade so you can die and they survive. Silver bullets in the sky, dropping seven-second death. Scattering the children, run rub until there's nothing left. Ashes in the water, sons and daughters holding flags up high. Wallow in the harbor as the military tanks arrive. Penetrate the border with disorder like an animal. Every war has the honor of turning kings into cannibals. <laughs>
2: we're back hell yeah we is got ourselves some fresh fistfuls about to break into my poets move from the dragon milk to the scribe can i get a holland sure you sure can yeah the holland the uh, poet it's a american oatmeal stout but it's only 5.8
3: well i mean it's oatmeal i
2: mean 5.8 that's still Yeah, I'm saying it's not no bit, but I'm saying it's it's not not like an
1: 11%. But that's good. It's a drinkable stout. It's milk, the milk of the dragon. This one's
2: cool. It's a poet. It's all about words and just, you know, flowing. We could actually
3: have some of that bacon we discussed earlier Mm -hmm. with this beer. It's Mm -hmm. a breakfast beer, you know what I mean?
1: Bacon rat poets. Dragons to ravens. Evermore. Word. All right, so when we... Ooh. Jinxed. Double tap. Did we just become best friends? But back to, uh,
2: at this point, Pittsburgh, Phil is just out here fucking motherfuckers up for the love of it. Other dudes are in the batter's box on deck, and he just runs have... it out the dugout, pushes them out the way. They
3: have so much killing talent and still be like a lifelong, you're the best free agent ever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, never, you know. He's he's what Dion was in that mid 90s thing. Like one year he's winning the Super Bowl with San Fran, the next year he's winning with Dallas, the next year like, hey, who wants me? Cause I'm out here. Well, I
2: mean, who wants me? If you jump into this as a kid and you're this broke dude or whatever, and this is the only thing you've ever known, like, yeah, you just get better and better at it. Like, uh, you told us a cool quote during the uh during the break about how he felt about beating people up. What was it? He just keeps doing it till people notice.
1: Oh, he said uh, if he keeps it up, eventually he'll get noticed by one of the big gangs. Yeah, he's just out here fucking motherfuckers up. And at that point, when he said that
3: he was at a younger man's age where he might get picked up, now he's full-grown, like he's Tom Brady of killing people. Yeah. And now the recognition, and and that's not as important. I just, I'm killing from the heart. I know what (laughs) I'm doing, and I'm just enjoying it, and I just... I crack fucking heads, and that's what I do. Like, the payday's nice. The recognition's nice. The you wanting me on the team, wanting to be a part of Murder, Inc., that's awesome. But I do this for me. Well, at this
2: point, I mean, Murder, Inc. is the top agency. Like, the Pinkertons were the top cops during the Western Front, and Murder, Inc. is the top assassination squad for the mob, and he's their top guy. He's cream of the crop of punch people in the fucking face. (laughs)
3: He's Maverick to all the other just regular flyboys. And know what I, mean, I mean, he's Top Gun.
2: The only thing you have about his personal life is he loves to beat people up and he loves the ladies. He, loves to he bend, likes to dress good, you know? eat that sturgeon, eat that puss,
3: and fuck people's faces up. That's what he's about. Looking good and breaking faces, you know, that's,
1: that's what makes the world go round. So one of the things they had said about him is that he seemed to love the violence and stab people more times. Yeah, he was it needed. all about it. Uh, one example is a guy named George Whitey Rudnick, who he stabbed with an ice pick 13 times in the neck and then 50 times in the chest while strangling him with a clothesline
2: while strangling him. So he was one handed and one stabbing or yeah.
1: he was pretty good at tying people up to choke themselves. He could choke he, them. He, like, mousetrapped people so that they choke themselves. That's you know. called snaring. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or you know, you got buddies. You got Bugsy Goldstein and fucking Dasher you got. It's not like you don't have people that could hold them. Yeah. Teamwork <clears throat> makes the dream work. But it seems like the overkill is his style. Like, that's a lot. 63 times while strangling them. Hey, you know what I mean? That's you gotta a- let them know what's up. Both those methods independently, a bit excessive. but. Well,
2: he's one of those dudes, I mean, he's been in it for so long. You know, it's like I said earlier, that's between ordinary and extraordinary. It's that little extra. And he puts that in all of his work. That's why he's Murder
1: Eek's top earner. Work ethic. Right, especially if you really want this done. Whoever did it really did a bad thing. So that sounds like a job you want to bring uh, Pittsburgh Phil in.
3: And then later on with the rats in the mouth to symbolize talking or shooting through the eye or whatever. Like, he would probably send him messages that way as well. Like, hey, let's send in fucking Pep because he's going to leave a mess. And I want these scenes to know we did this shit. You
2: know, he's an artiste. It's his passion. Because some people are in the mob for like, yeah, I'm in the mob. It's my job and stuff. And there are people that just kill. And it's just, yeah, I have to do hits. He's No, I don't want to move on to having a pool hall. I don't want to own a brothel. I just want to get my hands dirty. So, like, yeah, I mean, if he's in this for life, like, this is his shit. I'm the Ernest Hemingway of killing people. That's <laughs> yeah. my
3: book I'm writing.
2: I mean, and really, some people they don't get that much into it. Is probably one of those things most people, I assume, like, I have to kill this guy and shit. Like, he's volunteering for jobs. Like, now I'll take this one. I want to do this.
1: And he's not married. It's not like he has to get out of the house. He just genuinely wants the next hit. Hey, suit sturgeon, murders him hoes. The st- Pittsburgh Philstar. I don't know if you've ever had a daily manicure, a cut, and a sturgeon. That ain't cheap. Just right there is That's a nut that's hard to cover. He's, he's high maintenance for himself. <laughs> One of his most notable murders was Irvin Puggy Feinstein. Puggy <laughs> Feinstein was a former boxer. Big burly dude. And very wrinkly. That's how he got the <laughs> name Puggy. Pittsburgh Phil, Bugsy Goldstein, and Abrelles were killing him at Abrelles's house while his mother-in-law was sleeping. While Pittsburgh Phil, I mean, I don't know what the combination was, but they were strangling him and ice-picking him. He bit Pittsburgh Phil's hand. and uh, Did that piss him off? Yeah. Yes. Nice. It pissed, it pissed him off real bad. Because he
3: was already ice-picking you and strangling you when he was just normal, like ready to work. He's so like, now we're going to get to what he does when he's pissed off. Well, he was oh right. like, we're
2: biting now? That's what we do? <laughs> this is illegal. We're just going to bite people? Pittsburgh Phil has fucking feelings over I mean, here? I didn't know where Savage is. I didn't right. know we recruited to this. What is going on? Next thing you know, you're going to be pulling hair?
1: What is this? I was unaware the Wachoo were, were biters. biters. So Harry hogtied him with a knot around his neck that would gradually tighten and strangle him more as he struggled.
2: Wait, so they were mid ice picking, he bites him in the hand, and then they just stop ice picking like, you know what, we're moving on to hog tie now. <laughs> now that he bit, change of plans. Yeah. We're switching the Like, how did you just just resume ice picking till death? How is No, we're how not killing we're not, not you nice
3: no
1: more. Now that you bit <laughs> me, you piss me off. Watch <laughs> yes. this. No more than Mr. Nice Phil. After he watched him strangle himself. The, more, uh, the way it was set up, the more he struggled, the tighter it would get, and he just slowly struggled. them. Man, they, they bowed him? Yeah. They, they pythoned that motherfucker?
3: The first zip ties were invented right around this time.
2: So. See, that's great. They're just booby-trapping. Like, is this guy's other, a.k.a. Jigsaw? <laughs> like, you want to play just... a game? Well,
1: he did bite him, though. You he know, did bite? I mean, come on. Yeah, to be Don't fair bite.
3: to uh, Pep, he did get bit.
1: The the ice picking would have been done within another a minute and a half.
3: We just t- heard a story about how the ice pick slash strangling combo okay. works in an event. So it was going to work this time. But you want to bite? <laughs> want to bite? Ty, give me a knot. Give me a fat ass <laughs> knot around his neck now. All
1: right. All right. Give me the rope. Give me every piece of rope you got. After he died, uh, they took him to a field and burned him. For people that don't see,
2: know what we're looking at, it's a burned up body in a fetal position.
1: Kind of
3: real (laughs) MS-13-esque, like if you flash forward to modern times, that was not very common back then. They would throw you in a river with bricks or what have you, like your standard disposing of bodies, but
2: yeah. What did they do this to try to see if that would kill the identity of who it was or was this just forensic because i don't know the era in forensics how they could tell much I think bodies. you're missing
3: the essence of the story that was for biting okay yeah <laughs> your disposal even is going to be brutal you yeah. want to bite
1: me you want to bite me you, you get sure. burned look at your burial two of the things that people said were haunting about pep afterwards i said i went out to eat afterwards and two of the things he talked about is uh at one point he said "Well, oh, puggy sure went up quick huh and he still kept complaining about getting bit on his hand. Like, it was really... He left the mark, you guys. Well, Just see, maybe
2: maybe this speaks something about me, but, like, yeah, what else are you going to talk about? Those seems like those are the two big things of the night. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest with you, it's not the first guy they've choked. It's not the first guy they've ice-picked. It sounds like it's the first guy that got bit and the first guy they lit on fire, so... Yeah, those might be the two topics of conversation. <laughs> well, think, I oh, mean, what maybe what I'm a little do? sociopathic, but once you've done it, once you have burned the body. I mean,
3: what are you gonna do? You gonna not talk act about like, it? Yeah, you're gonna act like you didn't burn the body? I'm we in were... the crew, I'm eating my steak. I'm like, well, you know what, because he's fat, I figured he would burn longer, you know, because of the fat content. But I didn't think he'd go up as quick. So you're right, Pep. What well, I mean, <laughs> anything you really, say, Pep. I mean,
2: I don't want to speak for all of us, but I don't think we've burned bodies before. Maybe they do go up surprisingly quick and something crazy might happen. And we would be here right now like, wow, they, he really went up quickly. And yeah, if you got a fresh hand wound, like, ah, this fucking bite, I would bring it up. I mean, if it hurts, it hurts.
1: Give him a break, man. It's just, you know. It's been a bad day at the office, okay? Yeah,
2: he's had a, re- so he's bad at, he had a bad day. He lit him on fire. He
3: got bit. Buddy. I said medium well the steak's a little burnt Smelling a little puggy-esque Can yeah. you take
1: the steak back please? He was involved in the murder of Walter Sage Who was stabbed in the chest with an ice pick 32 times
2: It seems like he really enjoys that
1: ice pick Like yeah. an
2: ice pick to Pittsburgh Phil Is like a machete to Jason Voorhees It's his or more a chainsaw machete. to a leather face
1: Walter Sage was ice picked 32 times And then hogtied And tied to a rock and a slot machine frame which, uh, they had a beef over a slot machine and dumped in a river.
3: That's more of
1: the... Damn, so uh, yeah,
2: that is. He's sending just doing signals. signals. Like, <laughs> like to drag a slot machine with you to kill We'd him. We've been vending
3: like, in the Brownstown area since we were 11. Them have been our slot machines before Murder, Inc. was a thing. You thought he was going to be Johnny-come-lately-in-the-30s and fucking slot in our town? There, that's what
1: you're getting. Slot do this a slot motherfucker. Machine. Huh? This would probably be officially the grossest we ever got on this podcast. But after the Walter Sage murder, this is when Harry Strauss learned that they would build up gases in their stomach that would make them float up. So after this, when disposing of bodies in lakes, he would puncture all the stomach organs to make sure that gases could build up. Well,
2: I mean, that's really all he had to do was go down like six inches from his normal ice pick location. All he had to do was ice pick a foot down. Which yeah, he's good. Give it I a go. That's
1: probably all he did, really.
2: I mean, it? he's stabbing people thirty-two times in the chest. Yeah, just
3: do a couple in the belly them, button for a good measure. Them a little more, like still yeah. thirty-two. Keep the same number of stabs.
2: Yeah, diversify serve your pep, locations. You know pep, what I mean? I'm
3: just suggesting, but just spread them out a little more. Yeah,
2: don't put all your stabs in one basket.
1: You know, Walter Sage was found bobbing in Swan Lake up in like the Catskills areas, like all the dirty dancing resorts. Oh yeah. Abrella's relied heavily on pep for out of town jobs. Now, since they were the hit squad for the national crime syndicate, they were responsible for all the hits.
2: They landed that big contract.
1: Yeah. He would travel by travel by plane or train dressed as a businessman all over the country, performing hits so much that his closest friends started calling him the flying gangster.
2: Oh, I was hoping that AKA came from something more crazy. It's just because he's
1: a jet. He went saver. out of
2: town. Yeah.
1: No, he went... it was literally because he's a flying gangster. I fly a lot.
2: He got frequent flyer miles,
3: player.
1: Frequent killer miles.
2: That's great. He's just going around like a fucking salesman, cross country, just stabbing people in the face. No. Hey, you know what? He finally, like he said, I keep doing this. Eventually, people are going to notice he hit the big time. Going town to
1: town. I've seen the world. You know, I'm meeting he's new people He's the Coca-Cola of
3: killers. Like, he's, he's in every fucking there yeah. state he ain't killed in.
1: So this is kind of a legend has it section. Ooh, uh, rumor has it. Because I've heard a couple different things. So he killed a lot of people with meat cleavers, ice picks, and rope. And it yeah, seems to be his weapon of choice.
2: Seems like he has a little bit of an ML
1: happen. Now, a lot of people say that he never carried a gun. That he would use guns, but he didn't want to carry them because he didn't want to get caught carrying one. So he would carry rope or meat cleavers or ice picks, which at that time was surprisingly more common than you would think. It wasn't as big of a deal to have had a weapon, like you know what I mean, something like that. Well, I
2: get like having a little knife, but I would still think having a meat cleaver would raise an eyebrow or two.
3: Well, uh-huh. you could say back then, probably I'm not making excuses, but he could probably say I'm a butcher from Chicago going to Dallas and like there's no Amazon or whatever. And I not, mean, if like, you have it packed up in, in mean,
2: your luggage, but if you're just in like a clean suit, oh, freshly yeah, bad, you, you, get you, with you your just your got a meat cleaver on your fucking belt. Like, <laughs> well, OK, Jack the Ripper, what the fuck are you doing?
1: There was also a lot of things that say he wouldn't carry anything at all because he would just find things to utilize his weapons to kill people resourcefulness i like it which is something that it seems like he also did but i think there's a lot of cases of him traveling like especially on trains not as much on planes but he would carry guns how like do it... we feel about automobiles <laughs> if you're doing a hit for the commission this is the big job and shit no matter what you'd like to do you're gonna have that gun just in case you but
3: know we're so connected to like if he's going from new york to st louis Somebody down there, like always, will I can get a heater down there. I don't have to bring one from New York on the train yeah. with me. That's easy. Especially because I'm in Murder, Inc. as well. Like I'm beyond connected. So I, when I'm in Chicago, I, I'm fucking with the outfit people. When I'm down in St. Louis, I'm fucking with the rats. When I'm in the West Coast, you know what I mean? I'm fucking with Bugsy or whoever it may He's be at that time. He's
2: connected and beyond. getting his shit
3: like... Yeah. They don't really, you don't, as a killer, you wouldn't really take yeah. your gun with you from here to there. Yeah, man,
2: come on. He's he's perfect. if he needs a gun, he's going to find a but gun. But, like, you know it's what I mean? this
3: big, as big as an ink pen. Like, if you take your ice pick, even in your luggage, whatever, like, yeah. I'm searching. It's not even a red flag. Like, oh, well, hey, like, you got an ice pick in here, sir. Like, yeah, I know. I work yeah. at an ice factory.
2: Well, like you said, like, it is unusually common like in our standards for the amount of people that just had knives and shit on them i was joking about the meat cleaver but like yeah for sure back in the day it was not weird to have an ice pick or something on you a like, letter opener was completely yeah. normal and i mean if it's not like Pittsburgh phil even though like we just covered if he wants a gun he's gonna find a
1: fucking gun but it seems like yeah fuck i don't really need the gun i'm good well and that's what i think it is so all those people that say that, they're all kind of right, but for different reasons. I feel like he went with the rope. Now, for one, that seems like something with murder rink they would get bonuses. A lot of people like the garrote, you know, if they're trying to get yep. somebody out. And it's a pretty quiet technique. So rope's pretty easy. It works, you know? Hmm. And uh, I think he just liked to kill that way. I think it his preferred method. But there's plenty of instances of him having guns and carrying guns. So, yeah, I, no, I think it was...
2: Any fool can shoot him off but I'm an artist. Right. You, you just, do... Yeah. When you when your heart's in it and you got a passion, you do you work your magic.
1: I'm just saying, you still need that contract. So he would have a gun. He's, you know, he's a fucking gangster his whole life. He's not a stranger to guns. He just liked to choke people and shit. But to your point, when, my next note, it says, uh, whenever he get to town, he meet with local affiliates. You know, they'd set him up with vehicles, crash cars, uh a place to observe from. They point out the target, like take him to like just somewhere where they knew he'd be where they could sit him down and be like, "No, this is for sure well, him."
3: Yeah, and that safe houses and then getaway drivers, all that was like that's part of being in an organization opposed to just being a two-bit guy traveling yourself doing like freelance work.
2: No, and also imagine I would imagine at this point in time, I mean, he's Pittsburgh Phil, he's number one guy, everyone knows him like if he comes to your town, you would probably love to be the one to be like, "Hey, Phil, Phil, I got you a gun, man. I got mm-hmm. like." You would probably be clamoring to be the guy to to give him all the inside
3: information. He'll come up with the car, like because of the fame, because of who he is, and because you don't want to be that guy that he has to puncture of your fucking <laughs> balls so you don't <laughs> float to the top of whatever river you're near.
2: You won't <laughs> be tied up and burned and shit. Yeah, but no, I mean, I bet you're within like those circles. He's a bit of a celebrity. Oh, like yeah. he's mm-hmm. the Winter Soldier.
1: It does seem like the out-of-town stuff, he was a lot more professional professional than the uh, New York stuff. But I think most of that is in New York, he would cover it from Rooter to Tudor.
3: <laughs> now he's got to look the part. He doesn't want to look standing out down in St. Louis, Missouri. He wants mm. to look like, you <laughs> said earlier, a businessman. I look mm. like I'm here for a different reason. I'm still mm. that nutty nut in the inside, but like i got to look the part of a guy that would be traveling selling encyclopedia well, whatever it may be it,
2: it, it might go to that thing in the very beginning of how he got the name pep of like most people just saw him as big and intimidating but once you got to know him he's more friendly like around his boys in his home game like yeah you hang around you get bit then you light him on fire like things happen like but when you're mm-hmm. out of town and those aren't your friends then you're back to that big dude like they don't know i'm peppy mm-hmm. yeah. they don't know i'm happy it's business as usual this bro big right. pissed off dude Maybe he might have a hint of, like, Asperger's to him when he's around people he don't know. He's just all business, doesn't want to talk to people. But then when he gets around his friends, then he gets a little loose. That's when he starts playing rope games and gets a little (laughs)
1: freer with his kills. Once they would have everything set up, the local gangsters would all set up their alibis in advance. So they would always... And I read everything from going out on cruises to one guy... Wanted it done the same day as his daughter's recital because he knew he'd be there like in All these was pictures
2: cruises, he's just tapping people on a cruise.
1: Like, no, he no, that's the what alibi. the local guys would go do. So, when he oh. would come in, to, so he'd come in and he'd meet some guys, and they're like, Okay, here's your stuff, here's your guy, here's what you, gotta you know, I got to do. Yeah, as the detective, a movie. all
3: that town's usual suspects. Yeah.
1: Where were you, Charlie?
3: I was on a boat. Where were you, Jimmy? I was at my daughter's recital. All the local guys, yeah,
1: alibis. A... You know that's why you bring this guy in. I,
2: know, I just they bring him in like he's a house sitter, where he's like a murder sitter. Like he comes in, they hook him up with the house. Like, all right, we're all leaving on vacation. Just uh, take care of things while we're <laughs> gone. Water the plants, stab the guy, uh, feed our pets. All right, we're we'll be on a cruise.
1: Typically, he'd be on his way back home before the police started rounding up suspects. Once in Jacksonville, Florida, he killed a man in a movie theater, and he was on a train home before the movie was over.
3: That's pretty uh, fucking brutal, good for all yeah. the brutal shit of his story. That's a very smart thing. He's had a
2: long career and that's not from being dumb. Like he knows what he's doing.
3: And it's crazy. Cause usually somebody that's brutal, there's somebody with that much of an affinity for just the violence of it. There is some dumbness there. Like this guy's, that's the worst combination. the best and worst combination. Somebody that's like, there's intellect and planning, but like, he's really the craziest <laughs> motherfucker, you know, like okay. we could all end up burnt in a barrel player
1: besides the hog tie-in the hit that i think all the he would just find to implement to use comes from a killing when it's also in florida he hit a guy in the head with the fire axe So, so he did go straight american psycho now he's just bringing out fire axes yeah. just, but the the building's fire axe so he went to the building grabbed the axe in the building breaking case of murder <laughs> yes then he ran out of the building screaming, pretending to be like one of the people. He's like, oh my god! I fucking <laughs> hit a guy with an axe! That See, guy got him with an axe. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's great. He's the only one because he's the only witness. To <laughs> yeah, that guy got fucked up. That guy got really fucked up. He comes on, he's up. like,
2: "Fuck! Did I forget to hit the fire alarm? Oh <laughs> shit! My <laughs> mistake. Never mind, you guys."
3: I thought that guy was on fire, so I tried to axe the fire out, and he's done himself a mischief. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. This man he tripped and fell on an axe 22 times because I'm excessive. <laughs> oh, he hogtied himself. Help him. How did he throw his head over there? <laughs> How did he? there? <laughs> um,
1: I just got to the note about the if he preferred ropes and weapons versus so I guess I jumped the gun on that one. Well, then next to that note should say, Yup.
3: I mean, we covered that
1: fine. I yeah. think it fit where I think, it did uh, that.
3: Even the slowest fan out there her, can mm. deduce well, that. I mean, he so far, her. all of
2: your murders have involved ice picking a rope. Like, I haven't heard of, I think, a single one yet where he shot a guy.
1: Okay. So then that's where we're going to go. But to show that also, well, he was a professional. So, like I said earlier, when he's out of town. You know, sometimes you just got to okay, get the hit done. I guess done. I'll use a gun, asshole. Right, you gotta, just got to make sure it gets done. So you hit him with a fire axe, you strangle him during the movie or whatever. On September 13th, 1936, Strauss emptied a shotgun into Joe Rosen. There's a pump-action shotgun. So pump-action shotguns, you're just talking about, like, what, six Seven, shots? Seven, maybe a top shot.
2: No, I mean, my pump-action, I put four five if you cock one up and then right. you can like slick the five one in there but yeah that's a lot five though is still that's a lot i of mean shotgun as far as him going into gun realm it ain't like he went out there with a little nine or something or 45 and shot like no he unloaded a shotgun on him like that's the hitting him in the face of a hammer of guns
1: <laughs> right that's that's 52 that's the the gun equivalent of 52 ice pickings
2: yeah, that's the that's the gun equivalent of stabbing him in the face with a fire axe.
3: Well, when he stabbed somebody fifty times, three would have done it. Like when you shoot somebody with the emptying a shotgun, the first shell did it. The the other yeah. five, we're arguing over if it was five or six more shells to follow. Two, three, four didn't matter. The first one killed the guy. It
2: was a fistful. <laughs> yes, is what it was.
1: You're out of town on these ones anyways, so I mean, you're just gonna drop this anyways. What are you just gonna leave them here? I mean, you know. Yeah. brought them might as well use them no shell goes unwasted a november oh he killed chris penn (laughs) that does look like chris penn like good chris penn like
2: best of the best chris penn not not like reservoir dogs chris penn no that's
1: chris penn from like footloose like that's
2: (laughs) and that's cowboy hat chris
1: i think best of the best is good somewhere between footloose which is his sex his sexiest and you know reservoir dogs
2: best of the best he also rocked a cowboy hat he did. He was a big cowboy hat back in the
1: day. Good Chris Pentalk. <laughs> so on uh, November 25th, 1937, he shot Purple Gang gangster Harry Millman nine times in Boski's Deli at 12th and Hazelwood in Detroit.
2: And just uh, for the listeners, just to sort of recap, Purple Gang were a group. They weren't murder Inc. but they were enforcers.
3: He was now, such an enforcer. This guy, that he went. that blows my mind. Not a, a lot of people come to Detroit to kill a Purple Gang guy. This guy was do, on his tour, came and killed a Purple Gang guy. Like come on.
2: So Yeah, that just proves how out. much like he's the best of the enforcers that he's taken out Purple Gang enforcers.
1: So how this happened is and you can listen to our we did a whole Purple Gang episode and we mentioned Harry Millman on there. What happened is after Prohibition, the purple gang started to kind of fall apart and the Detroit partnership started to take over like in the early 1930s, you know, but there was still some kicking around. Harry Millman's problem was he really hated Italians. So he was still in Detroit, robbing exclusively connected Italian games and gambling dens and stuff. He and was think- going Joker style. Right. And thinking that was going to be cool, you know, and uh, like even babe, a birdstein was trying to tell him like, Hey, It's not that Detroit anymore. Jack alone, the Tokos,
3: like there there's a new, you know There's a new Boston town
1: and you know, we can't and we talked about it earlier with the syndicate. If there's one thing that they hate is not working together. So oh you're a guy that hates fucking rogue
3: rogue agent. It's weird because it's all crime, but like renegades or like thinkers of outside of the organization, like nope, you're
2: Come together. Even if we don't
3: love each other, you got to stay within the rails because if you start being, you're going to bring a spotlight on us that we don't, nobody wants.
2: But yeah, I mean, it's cool to have a a guard dog, but when that motherfucker starts snapping at everyone, got to put it down.
1: (laughs) Pittsburgh Phil was suspected of 30 murders in a dozen different cities, including Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia, Miami, and Detroit.
3: So any big city back in the
1: 1930s, this guy did a murder.
2: Anywhere where my people need to be killing.
1: Through the 30s, he ended up being arrested 18 times without ever being convicted of a murder charge.
2: I bet you his boy Kid Twisted like, oh, they get him a lawyer.
1: (laughs) Oh, they help him out when he gets arrested. Okay. Well, that's funny you would say that, because in 1940, Kid Twist, Abrelles, gets arrested in connection to a bunch of the murders, and he actually wasn't even much of a suspect. It was kind of a roundup, but it was that Thomas Dewey guy, and uh, his idea was like, well, look, we're going to arrest a bunch of them, but we're going to put them all in different places. And he was like one of the first guys to split everybody up and tell everybody that your boy talks. He told us Oh, everything. they first 48-ed them. Yep. He first got first 48-ed them, dog. Uh, yeah. So they split all of them up. And told everybody that their boys talked. Abe told us everything, Locke. Mm. Tell
3: us what's up. He told us everything. Well,
1: it turned out the first one to snitch was Abe.
2: Oh, honest Abe, you son of a bitch.
1: You should have been lying, Abe. So Kid Twist, the boss, the guy that started this whole fucking deal, tells. Fucking stool pigeon. Well, he talked to his wife, and his wife was like, i don't really like living this life anymore it's kind of crazy and uh kid twisted started he thought he had cancer he started spitting up blood a lot but he never did have cancer i don't know what it was but he he thought he was sick you know what i mean his wife didn't want to do it and he was like you know what i think i am gonna tell
3: hey fuck face you had an ulcer
1: yeah that's <laughs> stop eating all the spicy food get the sturgeon yeah get the sturgeon what are you doing Oh yeah, so a 1940 is
2: that, that was for a case that he, like, wasn't even directly directed with, but, like, just he was in the mob,
1: so they rounded him up. Yeah. Damn, what a fucking jerk-off. So he thought it was and connected to something, and there was loose connections on everything, but none of it was anything that they had evidence on. But he said, look, everybody that's loosely connected here, we're going to all round them up on a vagrancy charge, but we always round them up together. Like, we stick yeah. them in a paddy wagon together. So we're going to arrest every single one of these individually, separately, and separate them, and we're going to tell every other one. We're going to tell every single one that the other one told. Damn, so
2: it took centuries, but the cops finally got (laughs) up on Divide and Conquer?
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that's uh, something that barely
2: had anything to do with it. She's like, all right, you know what? I'll just tell you everything. That sucks.
1: And it turned out kind of similar to Ken Edo. Abrellas, who was a fucking douche, like he was this frumpy, ugly, little, mean man. But it turned out he had, what is it called, uh... A photographic memory. <laughs> it's yeah. so ironic that you had a hard time remembering <laughs> that. He had all, what is it called? He could remember uh, things. That <laughs> was fucking perfect. What I don't have. What I can't do. So he tells them everything. And they fucking needed all Even shit they didn't even ask. Mm-hmm. He's just giving them shit. Well, he really did. He just told them everything because they didn't have much. So, how are
2: you doing today? All right, I'll tell you everything.
1: Well, put it this way. He gave them fucking uh, Lepke Buckhoulter, Albert Anastasia, fucking Louis he Capone. He gave them Lepke Coulter? Yeah.
2: Oh, man. Well, no Lepke
1: Buckhoulter? Lepke Buck-Coulter was he's the only mob boss to ever end up getting executed. But, oh, shit. Um, yeah, Louis Capone. Everybody. He told on everybody. Son but of that's shit. who they wanted. They wanted like the, the high ups. So, based on his testimony, Bugsy Goldstein and Harry Strauss were arrested and charged with the murder of, murder of Puggy Feinstein.
2: They brought him back to O'Puggy? Yeah. He went
3: up quick.
1: Oh, man. Burnt yeah. bodies tell no tales. You would think you killed them in Abrellas' house, right? Like, how is he going to tell on us? We killed him in his house. Abrellas' mother-in-law testified that, yeah, they asked me for the like, ice pick and everything.
2: <laughs> I for an ice... Hey, Bob, where's the ice pick?
3: It's in the drawer, right next to the rope. What'd they tell her? That they hit a deer and they got to <laughs> cut off his hoof?
2: Oh, oh, fucking Pittsburgh's Fills whole defenses. Nah, she was sleeping. She didn't. She didn't know nothing. Yeah, that was that night. That guy fucking bit me. You see my fucking hand? Yeah, what is, that's what got him. They had a homeboy's teeth marks, and they they put it to the scars. It's a match. Huh? Listen, Sweet. I'm not saying I did anything. I'm not saying nothing. That fucker lit up really quick. Like, it was amazing how fast he went up. We didn't even have to add no gas or nothing. He just... And if he's a little pudgy, they go up quick. I'm telling you, it's the oils. All them cold cuts. The fats. Fats. They light them up. It was
1: ridiculous. During the trial, Harry tried to grow out his beard and claim insanity. So he grew, like, let his hair grow out and he grew, like, a big beard. (laughs) It's like,
2: you're on. I'm clearly crazy. Look at this beard. I'm crazy. Facial, hairs Facial hair. Facial hair. I'm, I'm over nutty. Here. Facial hairs. Look at me. You, do you see my chinny chin chin? This is what wild. Am
3: I? What am I? Amish? Huh? Yeah. What am I?
2: Look at this. I twist the end of my mustache. I'm mad, <laughs> your honor. I'm they call mad. call me Ezekiel
1: now? What am I, Amish? Some people said he chewed on a leather strap of his briefcase. He did say that. he. <laughs> <laughs> Look, your honor.
2: It's a chew toy to me. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, mad dog. I'm so crazy. <laughs> and then he said he would testify and then went up there and refused to take the uh, oath.
2: <laughs> so why would he even go?
1: I'll testify.
2: I'm not going to swear to anything. I'll testify, may... but
3: not under oath. But,
2: well,
1: OK, but also he has <laughs> a beard.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> He's crazy. This guy's He's fucking crazy. the
3: Unabom
1: over here.
2: Would a madman have <laughs> facial hair like this, Your Honor? Sustained, I rest my case.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it didn't work. No, no, that's crazy. At one point, Harry Strauss said he would turn state, ev- state's evidence, but he just needed to talk to Abrellas in private once.
3: And, Your Honor, <laughs> could that be with a nice pick, please?
1: <laughs>
3: Your Honor,
2: just give me five minutes alone with him, and uh, I'll tell you everything you need to know.
1: On September 19th, 1940, they were both found guilty and sentenced to the death penalty. On June 12th, 1941, at Sing Sing Prison, they were both sentenced to electric chair, Old Sparky, in the same day, one after the other. Ride the lightning.
2: The famous Old Sparky? Yep.
1: So this one's the original. So now there's 14 different, like, prisons that have called their shit Old Sparky. Oh, yeah, children. And then it gets referenced in The Green Mile. So if you watch The Green Mile, they call theirs Old Sparky. But Sing Sing's Old Sparky is the original one. Besides Bugsy Goldstein and Pittsburgh Phil, Abrella's testimony resulted in the, the death sentence of a number of Murder Inc. members, including both Dasher Abandondo and Happy Mayone.
2: Damn, so he snatched on all the OGs, huh? Like, not even the people, but the people that he was closest to. We always get wrapped up in this, because really, I mean, Pittsburgh Phil is an asshole and a murderer, and... By all accounts, so are probably these other guys and shit, and they're bad guys and they're mobsters, but there's just something about that level of betrayal that's just like, fuck you, Abe. You just ratted out. I don't care if they are murderers and they are disgusted people, like, you are more disgusting to me than any of them Well, because
1: right you were with them while they did all that, but then told on them.
2: What if but not only make... that, but your boys, like the ones that helped you when you were no one. What
1: if you These make... are the
2: people before you even killed the Shapiro brothers when you were absolutely fucking nothing. When you said I'm going to start were a gang, boys. they
1: said I'll
2: be in your gang. Gang, you rat, and for fucking nothing. Like you were barely caught up in anything. You were so quick to rat. Fuck you, Abe. It's I Young don't...
3: Guns, but at the end, Billy the Kid turns everybody in. Like, let's go. I, I said Chavez. Like, <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> uh,
1: this is... What? All right. So that's the story of Pittsburgh Phil.
0: So say good night to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're gonna see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you.
2: It, what's so crazy is he H- was such an expert he killed so many motherfuckers would he have got caught without that fucking rat he could have been one of the most prolific fucking who's the one guy the ice man he's the famous guy the hitman
1: for the shit yeah most of those are probably bullshit though. yeah he's like made he's killed a way more man. than nice man
2: god fuck you God <laughs> goddamn benedict
1: arnold i think i got cancer i'll tell on all my friends no, it was just bad heartburn.
2: Well, even that's not even just fucking die with your cancer. Why does that think you have to rat <laughs> yeah. people out? So you coughed up some blood, so you have to rat out everyone you ever knew?
1: So at least you're you now you don't have to snitch. Like, yeah, well, I'm li- a, well, I'm
2: on borrowed time anyway. Yeah, I'm dying, dick face. I'm not telling you shit. That's the way that should have went. Oh, fucking kid, <laughs> kid twisted. The first one to get first 48ed.
1: Told quick, and he told on everybody, and he told on all. All of his original crew that helped him take over Brownsville got no executed, not arrested, not charged, electrocuted. Um, So you guys haven't seen a picture of Harry Strauss yet. If we were going to cast a movie starring Harry Strauss, who would you cast to play him?
2: I mean, it really could be anyone big and mean i mean even though like we covered he was really only five nine, one seventy two. but because his lore was the big mean guy i'd like to take uh old jason momoa bring him back to his good old Kyle drogo days like back from his aquaman shit it's just the pissed off dude just a big dude ready to kill i mean uh um, i guess uh the dude that played ramsay in game of thrones he would be good him a lot I've only picked him like one other time. Well, I don't it's been a long like time before, since maybe. I picked him, but I mean, he would play a good one. He seems like he's about the same size, and I mean, he played that sadistic role pretty good in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I he mean, does it's really an open. Any... But also,
1: he's a, uh, the guy that played him was also like a good-looking dude and shit, so he could yeah. play like. Uh...
2: I mean, it's anyone who could play like a real intimidating, want to murder you
1: sort of dude. I mean. I was thinking, I, I, I hadn't thought this originally, but based on just what we had talked about, the horror guy that played the Bear Jew. Oh, Eli Roth. Eli Roth. Yeah, he would be yeah. cool. I we'll mean, because that's that. like big, scary, mean, but not, not that big, really. Big enough to fucking stab you 63 times with an ice pick and strangle you. Mm-hmm. So, here's pictures of Pittsburgh Phil. Hmm. Oh, Nick DiPaolo? <laughs>
3: Well, this far that looks like a like a young Johnny Sack a little bit. Like I don't know.
2: I mean, he really does look like sort of dude that will ice paint. Like he got a cold demeanor to him. Yeah. Look like oh, what's his name? Um, he was in the last season Boardwalk Empire. The only thing I could think of is he is in Ant Man, the
1: stepdad. Bob or something Cannavella.
2: Yeah. But he's a bigger dude, and he can play. I mean, if you've ever seen the uh, last season of Boardwalk Empire, he is very charming and can, like, talk to the ladies, but he is very intimidating, like I will stab him in the fucking face at any second. He really does play that good.
1: Yeah, it's Bobby Cannavale.
2: Like, even though looking at this guy is what brought him to mind, but just thinking of what that guy can play, because I keep on going to that last season of Boardwalk Empire, I think he could play this character real good.
1: All right, so now we got to do the Defcon scale. So the standard Defcon scale is five to one, five being the lowest, one being the highest. But on the Bad Guy Podcast, there's no good guys. So five would be Lee Murray, who's your crack dealing, kidnapping, bank robber, and one would be the Purple Gang, who's got multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and they're killing people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Pittsburgh Phil? I'll
3: give him a one. The up closeness, the body of work, the amount of bodies he on paper, like that he was officially, he had thirty two that we wanted to charge him with. And all, almost all of them were up close, extra brutal. It was even yeah. in in the story that he was known as to be excessive. There wasn't much gunplay. It was a lot of stabbing, strangling, like super, super up close, and intimate killings.
1: Yeah, usually you think, oh, yeah. Early 1900s New York, right? We're going to be doing some gunning. Like, some nope. Tommy guns. Yeah. Nope, a lot of strangulation. We're strangling him. Like where he
3: shows it? up to the hit with the Tommy gun, puts it down so he can get up and slow dance with the guy and then strangle <laughs> him like from behind. And, and while I'm strangling him, I'm going to reach give him the reach around. Not the fun happening Not,
1: massage shoes. You're it's like, okay, it's a little stabby, weird, stabby, but whatever. Stabby, I'm just stabby, trying stabby, to get stabby, out of stabby. here. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a bad As the
3: victim, I'm like, you're choking
1: me and stabbing me
2: like what the fuck well and the only gun well famous gun one that we went over was uh unload a shotgun to a guy like
3: that's as close up as you can get frowned upon it when i go out of town i act like a normal killer but when i'm around my homies you know i'm all peppy and stabby you know so fuck you you guys want to get a little weird tonight yeah
2: feel cute i might use a shotgun i don't know
3: Where he's a slam dunk one, it's because of the up-close, intimate-killing, personal shit. Word.
2: I I keep on going back and forth between a one and a two. Now, I agree with you, everything that you said. Like, the fact that he was so up-close and the fact that he loved it, like, he really was that guy. But it seemed like he almost had it, like... It was his job, almost. Like, he wasn't out there just murdering motherfuckers. Like, you could hang out and have a drink with them without worrying about him stabbing you in the face. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I'm right Unless there between... Unless looked a, at his chick. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'm right there between a two and a one. I, I don't know. I kind of want to go a two just because he wasn't crazy out there, like, stabbing anyone and everyone. Like, it was a job to him. But definitely, number one, because... Took his job seriously, you know, and like you said, it was all up close shit and he was pretty sick with it, but. They
3: barbecued Pudgy? But also, yeah, but that too, all of his <laughs> sick he did. shit. I didn't know he was going to go up like that. He went up like a flank, as he's eating the fucking pasta. <laughs> but
2: also, like <laughs> I said, like, even his sick shit, like his sickest shit was like, yeah, save them in the gut so they don't drown. Burn up the body. Like, a lot of the shit was also still just job related. Common sense. <laughs> So
1: I don't know. I mean, it's we really... are we are running a business here, yeah. right? Murder Inc. This is a corporation. I...
2: And all of a sick shit mm. was like tying the jukebox to the guy, like that was sending mm. a sick. So I don't know. It's real. It could easily be a number. I'm kind one of the vice president
1: two. of strangulation.
2: Yeah, like I don't know how are you feeling? Lot <clears throat> because I could really go one or two. I don't. Uh, I don't know. Like I want to give it like a one point five.
1: So I go one because I think uh, he's a killer's killer. I mean, w- Purple Gang is kind of the standard at one. And if you need someone to kill it, come in to kill one of them. Mm-hmm. He was the guy. So I, d- I think that don't slide you in there. And for the record, I sacrificed some murders for Sturgeon Talk. I could have just read you fucking strangulations. A list of strangulations. Well, for, yeah, that's you why
2: know. I also like I, I'm perfectly fine with the one. I could go one. But that's just my only hang up is the fact that
1: it it really was his job and it was mob related. So we're going to call him a DEFCON 1.
3: All right. Flush the bombers. Get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1.
1: Before we go, you guys got anything?
2: Nah, this was a good one. This was a killer of killers. And uh, this fistful of bourbon was the drink of drinks.
1: Yeah full of bourbon was good for sure and uh andrew in louisville we appreciate the uh yeah really good like no, a or... shout
3: out to that was a good call on a um like um
1: like a fan um you know suggestion. or as they call
2: it in Kentucky, louisville
1: louisville yeah. louisville i'm i'm very sorry andrew because that is true
2: part-time podcast regular fred had yeah. a good couple year stint in Louisville.
1: Yep. I think he cleared it up officially on the record, though. So just because I still butcher it, I've already been correct on the show. So if you say, like, hey, this is how you're supposed to say it, I know. I was told. Oh, go for listen the... to episode 39. I've already been told. Oh, just for dumb. the
2: record, you can tell old Andy Pants right now. I don't believe in Louisville. It is Louisville.
1: Well, I don't know. I'm a bourbon guy. So I go with. <laughs> I'm trying to fucking, uh not piss off a bunch of angry fucking if no, it we makes don't wanna, you
2: happy we don't want to alienate
3: or piss them off but they got to understand that we have a fistful of bourbon
1: not a fistful of vocabulary okay <laughs> we ain't been learned right so one of our resources I'll list all the resources and the links in the show but one of the best resources we use is a book it's called uh, Brotherhood Betrayed the man behind the rise and fall of Murder Inc. by Michael Cannell. That's no. a whole
2: fuck Abe novel. Yeah, and... <laughs> fuck Abe, dude. I can't say it enough. Fuck that guy. Dude, you. Yeah. A brotherhood betrayed. I don't care if that brotherhood was a brotherhood of murderers and killers or whatever. They were betrayed.
1: Yeah, so the book it's real good and it'll cover Abe Reyes from a little kid meeting Pittsburghville to, uh, to turning into the Judas snitch, snitch, of snitch. fucking the mob world. You know, you can you can get the whole story. It's it's a really good book. It's an easy read. So, go buy his book.
2: Learn That's more what... about
1: that asshole aid? Alright, right. well this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening.
0: the bad guy. bad guy, the good guy coming last place, smell that dope when I pass by, I, I lend my money at a fast pace, I say hello to the bad guy, the good guy coming last place, smell that dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead Spend my birthdays in the trap We had to work with what we had She been working on a raise While trying to raise me like a man Plus my daddy in the box And all my cousins in the can, man And I don't need a hundred friends I just want a hundred bands A hundred jokes, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So out of money, grab the hundred hams Said, so I done money grabbed a bunch of <clears> And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the piss. Yeah. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental, aid. ay. And I still keep it homie. Run and tell your big homie. First you meet your dead homie, ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. Oh. I like my money, at a fast pass. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. I just did the dash, hey, in the fast lane Let my money at a fast pace, look like a drag race Control up in my ashtray, I'm on my bag hey. Good girl, bad face, slim no waist and her ass fake And hey, she in love with the bad guy hey, But bad bitches never act right hey, She act up until that bag fly Did a turn around in one night